for some reason, I I find that storms excite me, and I, I don't know why. Uh, I'm obviously not excited by the prospect of of anything that is destructive or or anything like that. I, I just for some reason, um, I I just enjoy a good lightning light show, and uh, I, I like the that just the vibes before a storm. I'm not a big post storm fan. Uh, I'm not really. I don't really like it after the storm. You know, after everything's wet and all that jazz, and you got to clean up. And no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not about all that. But pre-storm, I'm I'm a big fan of pre-storms, and I and I also like storm movies. Uh, I like some of these movies like Day After Tomorrow and Into the Storm and things like that. Um, could do without some of the, you know, woke, woke politics that are stealthily engrafted in in some of those movies. But that's beside the point. Uh, I like storm movies. I, I like storms, and I don't know why. And you know, I, I think uh, I think a lot of times our response to a storm or a test or a trial is to be upset, is to be fearful, is to be anxious. But what if we actually did what the Bible said and we counted it all joy when we faced a trial or a test? What if we actually counted it all joy when we went into a time of trying? Hey there, my name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. Hey there, welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. Hope you're having a wonderful evening or morning or afternoon, whatever time of day this podcast finds you. I am excited for today's podcast. Actually, I should say tonight's podcast because it is it is night at the time of this recording. If you're interested to know, it's actually about 11.22. And uh, the reason why I chose to record this podcast tonight is because... Uh, it's relevant. Um, let me tell you this first. The name of this podcast is called When the Storm Rolls In, and I want to talk about storms. And I know that storms are the gold standard of Christian metaphorical, you know, whatever. Um, I don't have the word right there for what I wanted to say, but Christian metaphor, I guess, is, is what I meant to say. And uh, so I, I am going to I am going to indulge in that, but a little longer, and uh, talk about storms as a spiritual metaphor. But um, it's cool because right now, as I'm recording this, uh, there actually is a storm outside. I was actually just outside before this, and there's quite a light show going on out there. And uh, there's actually a tornado warning in effect for my area. And I know you may be wondering, Ben, are you are you safe? Are you in a basement? I am. I am in a basement. Although I, I will, I will say that if you are listening to this podcast, um, it doesn't really matter because this is this is probably you know released long since. But um, anyway, anyway, I, I want to talk about storms and 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 you know I'm kind of hoping for a little bit of natural uh, thunder and lightning sound effect in the background. I think it would be a nice touch, but. Whether that happens or not, I'm not concerned. The point is, we're going to get into the Word today, and it's going to be a good podcast. I'm going to pray, and we're going to have a great time. Father, I thank you for any opportunity to come before your Word. Father, I thank you for revelation. I thank you for helping me to flow with the Spirit and to discern which way the wind is blowing in this podcast, and not to to just do my own thing, not to get attached to my notes, but to speak out what you want spoken in this podcast, Father. And I put my sails up and I say, blow me in the direction you want me to be. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. You know, I didn't even think about wind, you know, wind is kind of like storm. Anyway, that just happened. You know, I, I like, uh, I like, I like pre-storm time. I was saying this in the intro. I, I like the moments before a storm actually starts. I think that's a fun time. 
but you know, I've noticed a lot of times on St. Patrick's Day, and you may have noticed this or not, I've noticed that a lot of times it rains on St. Patrick's Day, and I don't know why. I'm not superstitious. I am a little stitious. No, I'm sorry. I had to say that. Um, I'm not superstitious, and I don't believe in the luck of the Irish. But it is interesting to me that on St. Patrick's Day, it always seems to rain, and almost every year it seems like there's a rainbow. Now, I've just noticed that. I'm not saying that has anything to do with leprechauns. I'm saying that it's cool because it's a reminder to me every year of what the rainbow is, which is the promise of God. It is the promise of God. That's what it represents. And it's his promise uh, that the storm does not last forever. And it's really cool. Every time I see it on St. Patrick's Day, I think about it. And you say, well, Ben, I don't think it does that every St. Patrick's Day. Maybe not for you. Like, at least the last three for me, it's been that way. And I'm not saying it's like that every time. I don't know why that is. I'm not preaching any like I said, luck of the Irish kind of stuff. I'm not, I'm not preaching any, you know, Kyle lost his luck. You know, if you understand that reference, we're not doing that. That's not what I'm all about. I'm just saying it's cool when it rains and there's a rainbow and it happens to be St. Patrick's Day. But regardless of whether or not it's St. Patrick's Day, a rainbow represents the promise of God. And it's the promise that he gave to Noah in the beginning. It was a promise that the flood and the storm was not going to last forever. It was a season. And, and when it comes to testing and trial in our life, one of the best things we can remember is that they do not last forever. Tests do not last forever. Trials do not last forever. And, and it's one of the best things that will help you uh, press through a season that may be difficult is knowing that it doesn't last forever. I mean, even this life that we're in, this body that we're in, all of the things that we have to deal with on this earth, it's still so temporary. And for believers... Um, we have nothing but good things to look forward to after this life. And it, it doesn't last forever. And uh, so it's a good thing to remember going into a storm, going into a trial, going into a test, that it doesn't last forever. But I want to read a few verses to you, and we're going to get into this today. Um First of all, I'll quote this to you. In James chapter 1, it says, Count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into diverse temptations and trials. You could say when you go into the storm. And I'm not going to get into everything about that. That's a whole other podcast. But the thing that he mentions is patience. And patience, it endures knowing that there's an end. It endures knowing that the storm doesn't last forever. The test doesn't last forever. And that's one of the things that helps us to count something all joy. I know I'm getting all kinds of ahead of myself, but it is 1130 at night and I've already eaten dinner and I've already played Halo. And so cut me some slack. But Psalm 69 verse one through three says this, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire. Mire is like clay, mud, where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters, where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry, and my eyes fail while I wait for my God. Have you ever had a season of your life where you felt like you were drowning? Uh, I'm serious. Whether you were speaking positive confessions at the time or not, have you ever felt like you were drowning? Have you ever felt like you were in quicksand? Have you ever felt like you were sinking and that if somebody didn't help you, you were going down? You know, uh, Peter experienced this one time. He, he, he had enough faith to get out and walk on the water with Jesus, but then he started to be afraid. And the more he started to be afraid, he began to sink. And you know what he did? He cried out and said, Lord, help me. And you know, Jesus helped Peter before he corrected him. He did correct him and he did rebuke him. He sure enough did that, but he helped him first. And, and, and that tells me that even if you're dealing with doubt and unbelief, if you're in a bad place, if you're in a bad position, you can still cry out to the Lord and he'll help you. If, you, if you're real, if you're honest, if you're authentic, you can still cry out to the Lord. But Peter was drowning and, and, and he was in this situation that David found himself in. He's like, the waters are coming up to my neck. They're overflowing me. I need help. And then in verse 4, he says this, Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. 
They are mighty who would destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully. Though I have stolen nothing, I still must restore it. So he's being wronged. <laughs> he's going through a test is what he's, he's going through. He's dealing with a trial. And you know, this is prophetic of Jesus. He said, I've stolen nothing and yet I must restore it. Man, that's such an awesome verse. I have stolen nothing. I've done no wrong and yet I have to restore it. Oh, come on. Do you see Jesus in that already? I haven't stolen anything. I haven't done anything wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm the sinless one. I'm the spotless lamb and yet here I am paying for the sin of the world. This is a picture of Jesus. And this is a picture of what he went through. The storm that Jesus went through. But you know, the Bible says that it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross and despised the shame. I started this podcast by saying that sometimes I get excited going into storms. And I don't know why. But you know, although I can't explain that to you, I can tell you this. When you have enough patience to understand the end or what's on the other side of what you're going through, you can run into it with excitement. Not because you're excited about the storm itself, not because you're excited about the trial or whatever you're dealing with, but it's for the joy that's set before you, that you can have joy going into a trial, going into a storm, dealing with something, whatever, whatever that thing may be. But Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. We're reading on here a little bit in Psalm 69. David said, I, I wept and, and I chastened my soul with fasting, and that became my reproach. I also made sackcloth my garment, and I became a byword to them. Uh, he, he says this. I'm reading a few verses in Psalm 69. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, in the acceptable time, O God. In the multitude of your mercy, hear me in the truth of your salvation. He said, deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from those who hate me and out of the deep waters. Do not let the flood water overflow me, nor let the deep swallow me up. And don't let the pit shut its mouth on me. He said, hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Turn to me according to your mercy. Don't hide your face from me. He's describing a dark time. <laughs> He's describing a time that is a test and a trial. This is not, this is not a celebration time. This is not Party City. This is not uh, the trampoline park. Now, that's a whole, I shouldn't even use that example because last time I went to a trampoline park, it, it was, I refer to it now as bungee hell because I, 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 it, it was a horrible experience. But that's not either here nor there. My point is, this was not a great time for David. And, and, and it was a season of testing. It was a season of trial. But the next verse in Psalm 69, it tells us what to do in the midst of a dark time, what to do in the midst of a trial, what to do when the storm rolls in. And he says this, I will praise the name of God with a song, and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bull which has horns and hooves. He said that me magnifying him and being thankful is more pleasing to God than my sacrifice. It reminds me of when Jesus told the Pharisees, I will have mercy rather than sacrifice. There are a lot of things that please God more than just an outward natural sacrifice or offering. Now, it doesn't mean those things are not good, but they're only good if, if they're a revelation of what's in the heart. That's a whole other podcast. But the humble, it says, shall see this and be glad. And you who seek God, your hearts shall live. For the Lord hears the poor and does not despise his prisoners. You know, one of the things I like about David is that he was not afraid to address his problem. He was not afraid to express his feelings about the problem. But he never ended on a sour note. He didn't end on a minor. <laughs> if you're a musician, you'll understand that. He always brought it back to this, God, even though I'm going through this, you are my redeemer. Even though I'm dealing with this trial, you are my salvation. And you know what that is? That's real faith. Real faith does not 
act like a problem doesn't exist. Real faith doesn't ignore a problem and never deal with it. No, a real faith can look a problem right in the eye and call it what it is and then still call those things that be not as though they were and say, God is greater and greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. That's real faith. Fake faith is saying good confessions while ignoring the problem because you're too afraid to address it. All right. Slow down, Ben. Take it easy. Pulling the reins. But real faith is addressing the problem, but then acknowledging that God is greater than that problem. But it said the humble will see this and be glad. I want to say this to you. The proper responses to a storm is to, number one, approach it with humility. Approach it with humility. Humble yourself. The Bible says the humble will see this and be glad. That's what the verse said that we just read. Approach it with humility. In other words, admit that it's too big for you. Admit that this is not something you can do on your own. Admit that you need God to help you. We'll get more into that in just a moment. But the second thing is count it all joy. How do you count it all joy? It doesn't mean you rejoice in the thing. But, you know, I did a podcast called Enjoying God, and and I talked about how you can enjoy God. You can rejoice in God even though you're not rejoicing in the problem. Even if you're dealing with negative things in your soul, you can still rejoice or enjoy God. We can count it all joy because we're looking at what's on the other side of it for the joy that's set before us. We can endure the thing. But then... One of the best things to do is to be thankful for what you have and be thankful for what God has already done for you. Man, this is so true in the life of Corey Ten Boom. If you're not familiar with her, I suggest you look her up and read the book or watch the movie The Hiding Place. But they were a Hungarian family who hid Jews in their house. And because of of this, they were uh, discovered and they were sent to concentration camps. And she literally watched uh, the Germans drag her elderly father away and um, kill him. And uh, over time, she watched her sister die in a concentration camp next to her. And she struggled with anger and, and wanting to get revenge. But the Lord taught her forgiveness. And, and the Lord taught her how to forgive the very German Nazis who killed her family. Now, man, that's some next level love. And and if if Corey Tim Boom could forgive those people, how much more should we forgive people that we don't agree with politically? Come on. Anyway. But one of the things that helped Corey Tim Boom in that time was that she learned to be thankful for every little thing that she had. And she gave thanks for every little thing that she had. And you know, when we're going through a storm or a trial, Uh, It does something for us to start identifying the things that we're thankful for, to start giving thanks to God, to magnify Him by giving thanks. How, How would you do that? You start magnifying the things that you're thankful for. You start focusing on what God has done. That's how you magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. I'm looking around at my life and saying, look what God has done for me in the past. Look how he brought me through that trial. Look how he did this for me. And look what he's done for me. Look what I do have. Look what what is going right. Thankful for this. Thankful for that. I'm magnifying the Lord with thanksgiving. I'm using thanksgiving to magnify the Lord. Do you see that? This is one of the things we do in the midst of the storm and the trial that that causes us to overcome it causes us to to go through it. And you know, I'll say this. Psalm 23 tells us that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You know, some things you have to walk through. Uh, some some things you can't just find the find the shortcut out of. Now, the Bible does say he provides a way of escape when it comes to temptation. But there are some things that that you do need God to help you walk through because until you have a revelation of God with me, Emmanuel, God is with me in the midst of this, then he won't be able to lead you out of that thing until you get that revelation. That's why David said, I won't fear because you are with me. 
you comfort me. Your rod and your staff, you, they comfort me. And there are some things you just have to walk through by faith. It's the truth. Now, it doesn't mean you have to lose your joy. It doesn't mean you have to lose your peace. It doesn't mean you have to, have to change your confession. But there are some things that you have to walk through. And you need God to guide you through and lead you out of. And uh, this is one of the ways that we get through some things that have to be walked through, that are not the easiest of things, what the Bible calls the good fight of faith. And you know, in Christ, uh, I'll say this, I like how he said that the Lord hears the poor um, at the end of that verse. You know, in Christ, we've been made rich. And uh, the Bible tells us in in, uh, 2 Corinthians that he became poor, Uh, so that through his poverty we could be made rich. And that is what I would call an in-him truth, a truth of of what we have in him. But, you know, it's also important to remember this. um, Without Jesus, without him, we are poor. (laughs) We are helpless. We are on our own, and we need him constantly. We're we're dependent on him. Uh, Some people say, oh, well, you know, I'm the righteousness of God. Well, that's true. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. And people say, well, I'm not poor, I'm rich. Well, you've been made rich in Christ. But being poor in spirit, as Matthew 5 talks about, is is being constantly aware of your need for Him and your dependency on Him. You're thankful for what He provides. You're thankful that in Christ you've been made rich. But you're also aware that it's an in-Him truth. And without that in-Him part, you would still be poor. And so uh, he says the Lord hears the poor and doesn't despise his prisoners. Now, when that says his prisoners, I don't believe that's talking about people that are in God's jail, that, that, that they're his prisoners. No, I believe that means people who are prisoners that belong to him, even though they're in prison. But, in, in, you know, we, we, we just talk, talked about this. Jesus said in Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit. And I, I truly do believe that those are people who are full of a revelation of their need for Him. People who recognize their need for God. John 15 says, says, without Him we can do nothing. We're rich. We're rich in Jesus. But that wealth, it's only discovered and realized by our abiding in Him. That's what John 15 talks about. Abide in me that you may bear fruit. I hope I'm making sense to you today. We're talking about how to go through a storm, what to do when the storm rolls in. It says this, uh, I believe it's in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. It says again, the humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. He says, I sought the Lord, and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I like how this verse is basically almost an exact copy of the psalm we read earlier in Psalm 69. He's talking about blessing God, magnifying Him, being humble, and the humble will hear it and be glad. Humility causes you to hear. Let me say that to you. Humility will cause you to hear God in the midst of the storm. Come on. Humility will put you in a position to hear God in the midst of the storm. Humbling yourself. Not being proud, not being boastful, not saying, oh, I can handle it. No, you can handle it with His help. But that revelation that you need Him is vital, and the humble will hear in the midst of the storm. They'll be the ones that are hearing His voice. But it says this, magnify the Lord. There we go again talking about magnifying God. And He said, He delivered me from all my fears. Now, this is something I, I want to address real quick. You know, I've heard people, um, because of a revelation of the power of our words and the power of confession and possession, you know, some people have talked about how I don't want to claim something that I don't want. And I don't want to claim sickness. I don't want to claim poverty. I don't want to say, oh, it's my illness, my cancer, my migraines, my, you know, allergies. And I, I, I am in 100% agreement with that. I, I don't want to claim something wrong. I don't want to claim uh, sickness or, or sin or any of that stuff. 
But I've also heard people take this to an extreme when it comes to saying things like my fear. They say, well, I don't say my fear. I'm not claiming that fear. And even, you know, there have been songs that have been written, like that song, My Fear Doesn't Stand a Chance When I Stand in Your Love. And I've heard, you know, faith people refuse to say that my fear part. <laughs> They'll say fear, but they won't say my fear. And, and I understand why they're doing that. But here's the thing. Um, either the Bible's right or it's not. And either God did said it right or he said it wrong. In the Word, and we got to be careful about making faith confessions that don't line up with the Word, because <laughs> that can easily turn into tradition. Okay, but he said he delivered me from all my fears. Why did he say my fears? Now, now this is King James says this. This is original text that says my fears. Well, you know there are some fears that are collective. There are other fears that are personal. You know, it's one thing to be afraid collectively. Oh, we heard that there's a virus in the country and it's affecting everybody and and there's potential that it could come this way. That's a collective fear. But a personal fear is when three people in your family get it and you get laid off from your job and you don't know how you're going to pay your bills next month. That's when fear gets personal. And listen... It's the personal fears that Satan uses to try and get at your heart the most. It's the, it's the fears that try to get to your heart, that get close and personal. Those are the ones that he uses to really try and get at your faith. And that's why he said, he delivered me from all my fears, all the fears that were personal, the ones that tried to get at my heart. Those are the ones that God delivered me from. Like I said, David either said it right or he didn't. He delivered me from all my fears. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. And then he says this, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Again, he's, he's acknowledging his poor state apart from God. It doesn't mean we have to go around confessing that we're poor. No, in Christ we have been made rich. And we should confess that through his poverty I have been made rich. But don't forget that it's an in him truth. And that apart from him, you are not rich. Your your wealth is only in him and you are abiding in him. Does that make sense? That's where the humility part comes in. When it comes to going through a test or a trial. And you know... A storm, a trial, it tests those things in our life. It tests our humility. It tests our thankfulness. And it tests our faith. You know, uh, they ask some questions of us. Uh, Some of the questions that these storms can ask of us is, do you recognize your dependency on God? That's where the humility comes out comes in. Do you recognize what God has already done in your life? That's where the thankfulness comes in. And is he your source and expectation for the future? Or are you quick to make a man your source? Or are you quick to make an organization your source? Or are you quick to make the government your source? Are you quick to make the CDC your source? Now, I'm not getting political when I say that. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to medical experts or follow wise advice. No, you just don't want to make any of those things your source and your God. And it's true with anything. You want to keep God on the throne and you want to keep things in order. First things first. I'm not saying not to be smart and and to use wisdom medically and things of that nature. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying don't make that stuff your God. When you're in the midst of a test, when you're in the midst of a trial... Recognize who your source and your supply is. You know, if our natural security and comfort never gets removed, we really don't have an opportunity to rely on our comforter. Uh, I like the the song that Andre Crouch sang called Through It All. And he said, if I never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. Now, that doesn't mean God is the one creating problems uh, in us to to do some kind of... um, you know, a hypothetical scenario to see what we'll do. No, problems exist in the world because there's a curse in the world. But at the same time, a need is an opportunity for supply. And, And we don't, if we don't ever get a chance to get out of our comfort zone, 
a lot of times we'll never be in a position to receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's good to get out of the natural comfort zones that we're used to. It doesn't mean that God's sending a storm in your life. It doesn't mean God's sending a trial in your life. But we shouldn't shy away from these things. We shouldn't draw back from these things because it's an opportunity to experience the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And like I said, it doesn't mean the trial's from God. But God does allow us to be tested. And that's something that we need to keep in mind is that there are tests. It's not that God doesn't want us to be healed or provided for. No, a lot of times he wants us to just make him our source for those things. He wants, he wants to be the God on our throne. He wants to be the healer. He wants to be the provider. And, you know, trials test how reliant people are on, on the arm of the flesh. It's true. And, um, you know, we saw this last year in March, April with COVID and all that stuff and things shutting down and people getting sick and being laid off their jobs. You know, there, it was a test of how much we relied on God. And, and I'm not saying God sent that. It wasn't from God. God was not the author of that. But it was an opportunity. <laughs> and and it, I'll say this, it didn't take God off guard. It didn't take God by surprise. And God was not shaken by it. He didn't fall off his throne because of it. And, uh, you know, like I said before, uh, storms always come to an end. There is always an end. And a lot of times uh, we, we find that we get stronger. We get, our faith gets stronger at the end of a storm. And like I said, I'm not saying that a storm is good. I'm not saying that a trial is good or from God. But God has equipped us with armor because we do have a faith fight. And, and, and we are not to shy away from that fight is what I'm saying. But it's in our humility, our thankfulness, and our reliance on God that we make it through these trials. We make it through these tests. There's always a rainbow on the other side of the storm. There's always a sunrise at the end. And you see this with Noah and the flood. You know, the rainbow was God's sign that he would never flood the earth again. You know, you think those 40 days and 40 nights were a trial and a test? Come on. Sometimes I feel like a road trip for 10 hours is a lot for me. I can't imagine what that's like. But you know, Psalms 32 says this, You are my hiding place. Uh, this is something I want to address for a minute. There is a time to hide. There is a time to hide, and it's not cowardice to hide if God tells you to hide. <laughs> there are times that you need to hide. This is where humility comes in. Listen, if there's a tornado outside, you need to get in the basement. Come on. If there's a tornado, you can take authority. You can stand your ground in the spirit. You fight the good fight of faith, but you can get in your basement too. It doesn't mean it's an act of, of fear to go and be, use wisdom. There is a time to hide. There is a time to say, okay, we need to get out of sight. Jesus did this. There are times that Jesus hid himself. Uh, in Psalm 57, verse 1, it says, Be merciful to me, O God. For my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have overpassed. It says, I'll hide myself in you until these calamities have passed by. The Amplified Bible says, until calamities and destructive storms are passed. The Message Bible says, I'm hiding out under your wings until the hurricane blows over. I call out to, high, to the high God, the God who holds me together. In the Tehillim, the uh, complete Jewish Bible, it says, Yes, I will find refuge in the shadow of your wings until the storms have passed. Uh, the Good News Translation says, Until the raging storms are over. It says, I'll hide myself in you. There is a time to hide. There's a time to take shelter in God until the storm passes. And we're not to test God by refusing to hide at certain times. Now, it's not always a time to hide. But there is a time to hide. And, and you know, this is what we should learn in the storm. It says in Psalm 34, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for there is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. You know, when we rely on God in any season, he takes excellent care of his kids. 
He takes care of us. And when we humble ourselves and rely on Him, even in trial, even in famine, the Bible says we will not lack, we won't come short, we will not beg. Jeremiah says you won't be careful in the day of drought or full of care or, or pinching pennies. No, He takes abundantly good care of us when we hide ourselves in Him. It's humility and it's thankfulness and it's relying on Him. Uh, he says, Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days, that he may see good? He says, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. He said, Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now, I'll say this for just a second. I haven't really gone too hard on confession in, in this podcast yet. But, you know, it is important for us to watch what we're saying and what we're confessing on a regular basis. Uh, you got to watch some of the music that you listen to because music is repetition and it gets you thinking and saying things. Um, you know, I'm not against secular music. I'm not against uh, enjoying music. But you got to just be careful about what you're saying. One time I was driving in my car and I was listening to this song by Chris Daughtry. And I like Chris Daughtry. I think he's a great guy. But it was called Crashed. And the whole song uh, says, I was going at the speed of sound, head spinning, couldn't find my way around. Too late, I didn't see it coming. And it says, and I crashed into you, and I went up in flames. Well, one time I was listening to that song in my car, and I wasn't really paying attention. I think it was on a playlist. And, and like I said, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Because I was driving that car, and at the very moment that the chorus of that song hit... And it says, and I crashed into you. A deer jumps out and my car crashes into the deer at the very moment that the chorus of that song hit. (laughs) And I'm just like, nope, 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 nope. Sorry, Chris, we ain't listening to you anymore. (laughs) And I'm not saying there's any wrong Chris Daughtry. He's got some really good songs. But I was just like, man, that's so weird. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be I shouldn't be singing that, confessing that I'm crashing into things. You say, well, that's silly, Ben. You're just being superstitious. Well, our words are powerful, and we got to be careful what we're saying on a regular basis. That, that's a whole other message for another day, but I just wanted to touch on that. But I like this. Um, we're we're uh, reading in, in Psalm 34, continuing to read in Psalm 34. He says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them. He said, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. It says this, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. In other words, you may get in the ring, but I'm going to sustain you in there. You're going to make it out. You're not going to get busted up in that ring. I may let you get in the ring with the thing, but I'm with you. I'm in your corner, and you're not getting one bone broken. You're coming out in one piece, is what he's saying. And the, the trials may be many, but there's not a single one of them that God won't deliver his righteous one out of. It says, Evil will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. But the Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. So, trust is a big part of this. Trials test our trust. Time tries trust. I've heard that said before. And that's where the joy and the patience come in. Because just like with Peter on the water, um, a storm will test your trust in God. Um, In fact, since we're in the neighborhood, let's go ahead and talk about that. And we'll uh, go on over to uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And it says this, uh, When they left the multitude... I'm sorry, on the same day, evening had come, he said, let us cross over to the other side. Now, that's a good confession right there. Let us cross over to the other side. You're, you're going on a trip or something, it's good to say that. Hey, let's cross over to the other side. But you say it in faith. 
if a, if a, a storm's coming in or something, say, hey, we're going to cross over to the other side and none of our bones are going to be broken. None of our windshields are going to be shattered. <laughs> none of our, our house is going to be caved in. No, we're going to the other side and all of our bones are going to be, we're going we're gonna to go to the other side in one piece, in other words. And that's a great confession to make in faith when you're, when you're dealing with something, even in the natural but it says, when they left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But when he was in the stern, I'm sorry, excuse me, but he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. You know, Jesus did not wrestle with the storm. He rebuked it and told it what to do, and it obeyed. He treated it like a schoolboy that was out of order. And it's like Jesus swatted the ruler on the desk, and he says, okay, that's enough. And the the storm's like, okay. And it listened. It obeyed him. He was sleeping, though. He was asleep on the pillow. See, Jesus walked in authority. And when we walk in humility, we can walk in authority. When we walk in humility with God and dependency on God, we get to walk in the authority of God. That's another message again. I think I've said that several times today. We have a lot of rabbit trails we could take. But, you know, uh, Jesus spoke to this storm and commanded it to be calm. Uh, I'll say this to you. We can take authority over natural storms. Um... I've heard stories of, of people who um, got a revelation of their authority in the believer, and they had a tornado uh, coming at their house, and they took authority over that thing. And, and, and the tornado literally stopped and went the other way. There's other cases when tornadoes have dissipated, um, and, and uh, you can take authority over a storm in faith. If you know who you are in Christ and you know your authority in Christ— um, does that mean that the storm's always going to go away completely? No. But you can take authority over its effect on your things and your family. You can say, hey, you're not touching my house. You're not touching my car. You're not touching my things. You're not touching my business. You can take authority over storms. And, and it's good to be led. It's good to be obedient to the Holy Spirit as well. If he tells you to put your car in the garage, put your car in the garage. But you can take authority. And that's a part of our authority in Him. Again, that's another that's another message. But uh, it takes humility and uh, knowing that God is our source uh, to be able to take authority over a storm, being in Him, knowing who you are in Christ. I'm going to keep reading here. Verse 41, uh, He said to His disciples, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And it says they feared exceedingly. <laughs> you see Jesus putting his hand in his or his, his eyes in his hand, you know. And they said to one another, "Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him?" This storm that they were in, it tested their trust in Jesus. It tested what they believed about how much he cared for them. They said, "Don't you care, Master, that we're perishing?" And tested them. It tested their trust. Uh, I want to read this story to you. I know I'm reading uh, quite a bit of scripture, uh, but it's all good. It's good stuff. In the book of Acts, toward the end, I believe it's chapter 27, it's talking about Paul, and, and Paul was in a storm. Paul found himself in a particular storm. And it says, Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also of our lives. And it says, Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship, by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail. And so they went out, even though Paul warned them not to. This is one of the reasons why it's good to have your own vehicle and your own things because you don't have to be subjected to other people's decisions all the time. But that's neither here nor there. But Paul was a prisoner. So he was in this person's boat and they made the decision. And so he gets to go on this fun, adventurous ride with them. 
And it says, uh, the storm rose up, and it names the storm. Uh, I believe it's Eurocladon is what they named it. It's funny that even back then they named their hurricanes, uh, which is uh, something you, you think is just a modern thing to do. Uh, you know, Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Rita, all these things. But apparently they named the hurricanes back then as well. And, and uh, so this storm arose. And and uh, things are not looking good at all. They're in the middle of the storm. They're in the middle of the ocean, and things are not looking too good. But it says on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands, and neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. In other words, it was so dark and cloudy that they couldn't see the sun or the stars, and, and, and no small tempest beat on us. And all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. <laughs> I like what my pastor says that you know, people say, Well, you shouldn't say I told you so. Well, Paul apparently didn't have a problem with it. But he says, uh, You shouldn't have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. You know, that's why you got to be led. That's why you still got to be led about things. You can't, you, you take authority over the enemy, you take authority over the storm, but then you also use wisdom and you be led. That's where the humility part comes in. And he says, Now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. I like this. You know, Paul was subjected to their wrong decisions and the consequences of their wrong decisions. But they were subjected to Paul's trust in God and God's rescuing of Paul because because Paul was there, God saved the whole ship for their for his sake. So in the beginning Paul was sucked into their bad decision, but now they're getting caught up in the safety net that Paul's getting caught up in. And this is really neat to see how that how that worked. And so Days and nights are going by. They're still on the water. It's still raining. And he said, Today is the 14th day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. He says, Go ahead and eat something because I'm telling you, you're not going to die. And he said, When he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And we had, when he had broken it, he began to eat. And they were all encouraged and took food themselves. And eventually they went on the ground. They ran uh, the ship aground. And uh, they got out of the boat. They were rescued. They were okay. But I love that it says in the midst of it, Paul took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. Thanksgiving is one of the best responses in the midst of a storm. First of all, you're acknowledging that the storm didn't come from God. And secondly, you're acknowledging that God is the rescue from the storm. So again, the three things we're talking about is humility, and we're talking about joy and thanksgiving and relying on God. These are the things we're talking about. I guess that's four things, but joy is wrapped up in thanksgiving. These are how you respond to a storm and how you get through a storm. You know, I'll say this to you. The peace of God shows up in the middle of the storm to let us know that everything is going to be all right. You know, uh, recently we had a rainstorm, and uh, afterwards there was a double rainbow in the sky. And it was cool because I'd never seen a double rainbow like that. I have a picture of it somewhere. And it was just so neat because it was right in the middle of the pandemic and all that stuff, and I just felt like it was just the comfort of God, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And it was a reminder that the storm doesn't last forever. And when I thought about that double rainbow, it's like a double promise. It reminded me of the verse that talks about how you will be repaid double for what you lost, that, that you'll be given the double portion. I can't think of the reference, but I believe it's in Jeremiah. It says you'll be given double for what you lost. Double will be restored to you. And, you know, I thought of this little poem, uh, and I'm, I'm closing up here, and, and I think I'm going to be done in just a minute. Um, I'm going to read this little poem, and, uh, and then I'll, I'll be done. But I, I want to recap on that for just a minute. When the storm rolls into your life, what do you do? What do you do? First of all, you humble yourself. <laughs> you humble yourself because it's the humble that hear from God. It's the humble that, that hear the secret of the Lord. 
that hear the still small voice. We, we see that with, with Elijah when it says that there was a fire and a wind and an earthquake and God wasn't in any of it. But after all that, what was there? There was a still small voice. And the humble are the ones who can, can wait till all the noise ends and listen for the still small voice and obey it. Listen to the still small voice, humility, and, and then to give thanks, to count it all joy, and, and, and to, see, to see past what's right in front of you and to give thanks, to give thanks in the midst of the storm, to give thanks like Paul did in the midst of the trial for what God has done, to magnify God and to make him your source. Rely on him. Remind yourself that without him, you are a poor man. You can do nothing. You are completely relying on him. And watch how God will rescue you and save you and lead you out of the storm, just like he did Paul. He's faithful to do that. The peace of God shows up in our life and in the midst of the storm to let us know that everything is going to be all right. I wrote this little poem, and I'll leave you with this. A double rainbow, and it barely rained. What I've lost can't compare to what I've gained. Fear is a mist that fogs up your glasses. But no matter the fury, the storm always passes. You know, I I know somebody personally who battled with cancer for years and had some amazing, miraculous things happen and miracles and and, um, saw some things that seemed impossible to the doctors even. But, you know, that person recently went home to be with the Lord after, after years of battling and seeing victory after victory after victory. And it's interesting because when I, I posted this little poem last year on my, my social media, and that person liked it. That person responded to it and said that, that they really liked it. And what's interesting to me about that is that, you know, you say, well, well I guess that person lost the battle. No, uh, they didn't. Because God did deliver them out of it. He, he did deliver them out of that storm. And that storm ended. And yes, it may have ended with them going home to be with the Lord. But you know what? If that's the worst thing that happens to you, you've got a good life. <laughs> if going to be with Jesus is the worst thing that can happen to you, what do we really have to be afraid of? I'm going to say it again and then I'll close. A double rainbow and it barely rained. What I've lost can't compare to what I've gained. Fear is a mist that fogs up your glasses, but no matter the fury, the storm always passes. This has been the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I hope you enjoyed this today. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, Have a great rest of your day, and I'll talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you, he loves everyone else, and please don't forget to feed the ducks.